Tetelul Tafshinayin Vav, coming to you live from the headquarters of Ariel Tours in New York. I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Yeah. 
Soul Farm with uh, Shalom Lacharetz Nader, made very popular by Yehoram Gaon. And before that, it was uh, an English-American uh, song, which was very popular as well. Well, welcome one and all. My name is Mayor Weingart, and you're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Thank you so much for joining us. We're here each and every Monday, immediately following JM in the AM, which is 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Israel Time. You can hear the show live or whenever you want, on demand via the NachumSiegel.com website. Go to the archives there, the show archives, or via the Nachum Siegel Network app, which also has show archives. You can hear all the shows uh, whenever you want. And we hope that you do. And we thank those who do. And there's so many of you. We have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Israel Show, facebook.com slash The Israel Show. And we encourage you and hope and ask you to please take a look and give us a like after you have a listen. Uh, uh, very important for um, in the Facebook world that uh, one has a lot of likes on his page. So to like the page and like the postings, and many of you do, and we greatly appreciate that. At the end of each show, a few hours or so afterwards, you can find links to almost every song played on the show. We link you to the YouTube video, and um, then you can listen to the songs whenever you want. If there's a song that captivates you particularly, you can um, enjoy it whenever you like to on demand via the links. We also link to different um, articles we speak about or videos we talk about and so forth, as we will do today. Um, I was recently introduced to a song. It's not new, but the video of the song was only introduced recently. And uh, as a result, I only became aware of it now, which is crazy because it is a Yishai Rebo song, and I love Yishai Rebo, and the listeners of this show know how much I love Yishai Rebo and have been speaking about him from before, from before he was famous. Anyway, he has a song called Or Chaim, and it's a song about Torah, Torah, which is the light of our life. And uh, everything about the song is amazing. The melody is beautiful. The words are outrageously beautiful, as usual with him. He, he is a poet uh, par excellence, and he captivates the beauty of Torah in this song so well. And, you know, there's songs that you hear, they're nice, they catch it. Then there's songs that you hear and they really become a part of you. And for me, it's like, I can't wait to share it with the listeners on the show. And this is one of those. And um, I'll share with you uh, the uh, refrain or parts of it. Um, he says, talks about the people that are immersed in Torah. Echem nishbim how they are captivated by its charm. Hard to translate exactly what he means by kisma, but by, let's say, by its charm. They go after it, they walk in its path as if they were blind, meaning you don't, you don't use your eyes, you follow the, the way the Torah takes you. The ultimate truth is uh, all of its facets. Kol shivim paneha, all the forty panim. It says shivim panim la Torah. Yikarami pazumi osher. It is more valuable than paz, which is gold. We say it in our tefillah. Hanechamadim izahav umi paz rav. Same thing about Torah. Umi osher and uh, from all wealth. Nikneti beamal uviyosher. 
you can you can be kone Torah, you can you can obtain Torah by working hard by Amal Uviosher and, and by honesty, by being straight. Vihi Haderech, Vihi Aosher, it is the path and it is the the beauty of life. So so many different plays on words here. First of all, Osher and Osher. The first one is with an ayin, money, the second one is with an aleph, which is joy and fulfillment. Um Nishbim Bikisma, right? Captivated by its charm, and the next sentence talks about Mitalchim Kisuma. Now again, one is with a kuf, one is with a kuf, but you have the same kus kaf samechmem kasma and kisuma. It's there's more here. It's just uh, amazing. I'll post, of course, the link to the video, and uh, you'll be able to see the words in their entirety on that YouTube video. So uh, here it is. I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. Continue to do. Or Hachayim Yishai Ribo. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
guess my only complaint is that it's not long enough. <laughs> wow. I, I'm almost speechless, even though I've heard it dozens of times already over the weekend. Yishai Ribo or Hachayim. Listen to it. Do me a favor. You you want to get hooked on this song. Mayor Weingarten, I am Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachman Siegel Network. Thank you for joining us. Uh, a new song by Yakir Halel or Hilel. Not sure which. It's called Lel Elul. We'll try and bring that to you soon. We have more great Israeli music, including um, the famous Adon HaSilichot from the Sephardic Silichot services, which uh, have begun already. <laughs> I always call it the great trade-off. Having kitten yod on Pesach versus waking up a whole month during Elul early. I... I, I I pick not being able to eat kidney oat on Pesach. So Prime Minister Netanyahu began something a few months ago, well, probably more than a few months ago, if you remember, um, back when an American Muslim went on a rampage at a nightclub in Orlando and shot up dozens of people. And then... uh, and then I think the police killed him. Anyway, at that point, after that, Prime Minister Netanyahu put out a YouTube video. I think he put it out on his Facebook page um, in which he expressed his condolences and explained what Israelis feel in a case like this. And it went viral. It was amazing. And I think Netanyahu realized that there is a huge audience for this media that he now has a tool a media tool which can sub- go around you know get around i should say the the left wing media the general media that is so against him and so unfortunately anti israel and so he's been using it and from time to time he puts out um i call it a hasbara video and it it does well it does well. He gets a lot of hits and a lot of people are watching it, which is good, obviously. Um, on Friday, <laughs> just before Shabbat in Israel, which means sometime in the morning here on Friday, he put out this video. Now, these videos, at least this one, I, I can tell you clearly are um, are focused, are targeted to uh, an American audience. They're in English. Um, and they're using American idioms and so forth. And um, he made a really strong political statement, very strong. And although one may not realize it right away, there is no question that there's a lot to be read between the lines or listened to between between the lines. And we're going to try and break it down for you and show you what we think is hidden um, some subtly, some not so subtly in this video. So first what we'll do is we'll play the uh, audio. It's uh, two minutes. And uh, this is, uh, everyone has been talking about the use of the word ethnic cleansing. You'll hear how Prime Minister uh, Netanyahu uses it and what he discusses. And then we'll go on to um, 
then we'll go on to dis- to 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 um, analyze it. One thing I would ask you to look out for as you're listening to this, think of specific words that the prime minister is using and how they are meant to target a certain audience in the United States. Take, take a listen. Here it is. I'm sure many of you have heard the claim that Jewish communities in Judea, Samaria, the West Bank, are an obstacle to peace. I've always been perplexed by this notion because no one would seriously claim that the nearly 2 million Arabs living inside Israel, that they're an obstacle to peace. That's because they aren't. On the contrary, Israel's diversity shows its openness and readiness for peace. Yet the Palestinian leadership actually demands a Palestinian state with one precondition, no Jews. There's a phrase for that. It's called ethnic cleansing. And this demand is outrageous. It's even more outrageous that the world doesn't find this outrageous. Some otherwise enlightened countries even promote this outrage. Ask yourself this. Would you accept ethnic cleansing in your state, a territory without Jews, without Hispanics, without blacks? Since when is bigotry a foundation for peace? At this moment, Jewish schoolchildren in Judea, Samaria, are playing in sandboxes with their friends. Does their presence make peace impossible? I don't think so. I think what makes peace impossible is intolerance of others. Societies that respect all people are the ones that pursue peace. Societies that demand ethnic cleansing don't pursue peace. I envision a Middle East where young Arabs and young Jews learn together, work together, live together, side by side, in peace. Our region needs more tolerance, not less. So the next time you hear someone say, Jews can't live somewhere, let alone in their ancestral homeland, take a moment to think of the implications. Ethnic cleansing for peace is absurd. It's about time somebody said it. I just did. I just did. (laughs) I just did. What do you think he meant by that? Somebody should say it. I just did. Maybe I just did because I can. And I will. And I'm putting you all on notice that I'm not going for this two-state solution idea where one state is Judenrein. Okay. Now let's look back. Let's look back at, at different phrases. First of all, there is a there is a really not too veiled reference to the United States of America and to President Obama and his administration. He says that it's even more outrageous that the world doesn't find this outrageous. And then he goes on. Then he goes on to say, some otherwise enlightened countries even promote this outrage. You get it? Some otherwise enlightened countries, like America, even promote this outrage, meaning promote this two-state solution where one state may not have any Jews, is, is ethnically cleansed. Okay, now I'm going to play for you a bunch of 
um, back-to-back little, little piece, pieces from this speech in which I've highlighted a specific word. I'm, hi- I'm trying to highlight a specific word in each one of these clips, and you'll hear why, why I say that this is such a brilliant speech and, and what audience he's talking to. Listen. I think what makes peace impossible is intolerance of others. There's a phrase for that. It's called ethnic cleansing. Israel's diversity shows its openness and readiness for peace. Since when is bigotry a foundation for peace? Would you accept ethnic cleansing in your state, a territory without Jews, without Hispanics, without blacks? You get it? We live today in America in in an extremely PC, politically correct world. Go on to campuses and you will shudder to the extent of the political correctness and the leftist the leftism that has taken hold of the campuses over the past decades. And these code words are the ones that are usually hurled against Israel. And Netanyahu is now saying, hey, you leftists on campus, hey, you BDS people, don't you believe in diversity? Aren't you against intolerance? Aren't you against bigotry? Would you agree to have a neighbor that has no Jews and then he adds no Hispanics, no blacks? Clearly, talking about the United States, Hispanics and blacks. Notice he doesn't say Muslims. What he's trying to do here is to say, and I don't know if it's going to be successful because they're so brainwashed, but he's trying to say to the young in America, those college students that are so brainwashed by by these terms who talk all the time about how America is racist and America is bigoted and America is not diverse enough. You know, on campuses today throughout the United States, there are people that are being paid hundreds of thousands of dollars as diversity vice president for the, or vice dean or whatever for diversity. Intolerance. You hear it all the time. Oh, intolerance. The bigotry. He's taken all of their, so to speak, quote unquote, their language, their vocabulary and turned it around. And of course, Ethnic cleansing. Ethnic cleansing. How horrific. How could you agree to a solution that would involve throwing out Jews who are now living in Yehudan Shamron from their homes? There is an element, obviously, here of rhetoric. But I think it's great. I think it's great that finally somebody got it. That we need to take the same words that they use and turn it around. Because the overarching theme here is, hey, you say you're liberal? Then 
You can't support the Arab world because the Arab world throws out the Jews. Not only that, the Arab world throws out Christians. In the Arab world, you can't be of another religion. In the Arab world, if you're a woman, you don't have rights. In the Arab world, minorities and others don't have rights. In the Arab world, they'll throw you off the rooftop because of your sexual orientation. So who are you supporting? You're against Israel? You're boycotting, divesting, and sanctioning Israel? Look at Israel. Israel has millions of Arabs living in Israel as free citizens. They get all the rights. They vote. They have 15 Knesset members out of 120, more than 10%. It's it's somewhat subtle. I think it's great. And I hope he continues. I really do. I really hope he continues. Uh, what we will do after the song, the next song, is we'll tell you what the United States State Department, how they what they responded, how they came back at president at Prime Minister Netanyahu, and we'll try and see how they answered his claims against those who support this quote-unquote ethnic cleansing. This is a new song, Yakir Hillel, I think is the way you pronounce it, or Yakir Halel. It's called Lel Elul, the Knights of Elul. I mean, could it be anything uh, more appropriate? song ends with um, the following words. Let me just get it for you. Sorry about that. Belel Elul al Hahar and the nights of Elul on the mountain, Uchmoha Ananim, like the clouds, Kmogaleha Yam, like the waves of the ocean, Agia Gamani, I too will arrive, El Mikomi Esham, to my place somewhere out there. Meaning Elul is the time that we are introspection of a uh, time of introspection. And um, he says, just like the clouds ultimately go somewhere, the waves go somewhere, I too will ultimately, hopefully, arrive to the place that I am looking for. Um, my name is Mayor Weingart, and you're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
Yakir Hillel, Hillel Elul, debuting it here. Yes, it, it came out very recently, and we are debuting it right here on the Israel Show. We are sponsored by Nefesh Benefesh. It's an amazing organization this summer yet again. They showed everybody how Aliyah can be done in such a beautiful way, an amazing way, an uplifting way. How charter planes can be brought to Israel filled with Olim Chadashim, whose paperwork is already taken care of. And instead of them standing online in some bureaucratic office somewhere at Ben Gurion Airport, as was once done, the Olim are greeted, wow, with the most amazing Ruchim Habayim, with hundreds and hundreds of people, relatives, friends, strangers. No one's a stranger, we're all brothers. Coming to the airport and cheering as they come off the plane and we watch the Olim come down with the elation of knowing that their life is now in Israel. Some of them kissed the ground, as did many of our forefathers. Nefesh Benefesh uh, is there to help and make your Aliyah as successful as possible, even if you're not thinking about Aliyah at this particular minute. Here's what I would suggest. Go to their website, www.nbn.org.il, www.nbn.org.il, and take a look. This is your show is proud to be sponsored by Nefesh Benefesh, who are revolutionizing Aliyah. So we were telling you about Prime Minister Netanyahu's um, video, the language that he chose to use, and the little jab that he took at the United States of America, <laughs> calling us, calling the United States and the administration, especially an otherwise enlightened, uh, what was the terminology? Otherwise enlightened country who yet propose and even promote uh, what they call a two-state solution, which is uh, based on ethnic cleansing. So, of course, you know the State Department was going to respond, and in their briefing on Friday, September the 9th, they did so in response to a question by the Reuters our favorite correspondent, the guy who really knows how to give it to them, the Reuters correspondent to uh, Ms. Trudeau. She said, oh, let me, let, let her tell it to you in her own words, and we'll, we'll interrupt her here and there when, uh, when appropriate. So we have seen uh, the Israeli Prime Minister's video. We obviously strongly disagree with the characterization that those who oppose settlement activity or view it as an obstacle to peace are somehow calling for ethnic cleansing of Jews from the West Bank. We believe that using that type of terminology is inappropriate and unhelpful. Okay, so so what has she said so far? We disagree with the characterization that those who oppose the settlement activities or view it as an obstacle to peace, are calling for ethnic cleansing. No, well, they may not be calling for ethnic cleansing, but the fact that what's going to end up happening is there will be ethnic cleansing. Jews will be thrown out. The Palestinians, the Arabs, have said it very clearly. There are no Jews going to be living here. Somebody in Israel uh, joked, how come when we got our state, we, we got it gross, so to speak, versus net, and they get their state net, meaning we got a state 
with Arabs that we have made citizens and given rights to, they get a state with no Jews. <laughs> it's a joke. So this was this is it's unhelpful. It's inappropriate. She still hasn't answered it. She just says we disagree with it, and she goes on with the usual uh, political um, Washington gobbledygook. Settlements are a final status issue that must be resolved in negotiations between the parties. We share the view of every past U.S. administration and the strong consensus of the international community that ongoing settlement activity is an obstacle to peace. We continue to call on both sides to demonstrate with actions and policies a genuine commitment to the two-state solution. Okay, as usual, we call on both sides. There's a moral equivalence. Everybody, you know, everybody has to behave. Children, you all have to behave. You all, you're all called upon by the teacher to demonstrate with actions and policies, blah, blah, blah. Still, you got to notice something. She has not answered his claim. She just says, we disagree with it. We think it's inappropriate. And guess what? Everybody else does also. So obviously he's wrong. (laughs) Really, that's all she said. She hasn't explained why it's not ethnic cleansing to say, I'm going to start, I'm going to establish a state and I'm not going to let any Jews live there. Okay, she goes on. She goes on. We'll, We'll let her continue. We will interrupt her too. We have repeatedly expressed our strong concerns that trends on the ground continue to move in the opposite direction. You know, let's be clear. The undisputed fact is that already this year, thousands of settlement units have been advanced for Israelis in the West Bank. Whoa, whoa. The undisputed fact is that already this year, thousands of settlement units have been advanced for Israelis in the West Bank. Where? Where, ma'am? Where have those settlement units? First of all, are they built? Do they exist? They've been advanced. Meaning, if some government agency or some municipality announced that in five years from now they're going to build 5,000 units of housing, this is what they consider thousands have been advanced. And most, overwhelmingly, unfortunately, or fortunately, but overwhelmingly are in Yerushalayim, which they consider settlement, any part of Yerushalayim from uh, post-67 over the quote-unquote green line, they consider a settlement. So if uh, homes are going to be built in Ramad Eshkol, in Gilo, in Ramot, that's a settlement. So this is just nothing more than a, a crock. Then she talks about illegal outposts and unauthorized settlement. Illegal outposts and unauthorized settlement units have been ro- retroactively legalized. More West Bank land has been seized for exclusive Israeli use. There has been a dramatic escalation of demolitions, resulting in over 700 Palestinian structures destroyed, displacing more than 1,000 Palestinians. Oh my gosh, 700 Palestinian structures were destroyed and it displaced 1,000 Palestinians. Why, in heaven's name, would a law-abiding country like Israel do that? How, how, how could that happen? Oh my, let's think for a moment. Oh, wait a minute. Maybe 
they were illegally constructed. Maybe they were homes of terrorists. Those are a few. But most are parts of huge tracts of land that the Arabs have just taken, that do not belong to them. They've taken and built on with the money provided by the European Union. There's an unbelievable organization that does fantastic work. It's called Rigavim. You can look it up if you're on Facebook. Uh, look for Rigavim. They have a Facebook page. Or Google Rigavim. In Hebrew, it's Reish Gimel Vet Yud Mem. In English, it's R-E-G-A-V-I-M. Rigavim. And they've taken on this cause to use the legal system to stop illegal Arab and Bedouin taking over land that is not theirs and making it de facto non-Jewish. is a big, huge problem. You cannot imagine how many acres and acres and acres of land in the Negev, for example, and in Yehudan Shomron are just... just t- they, they, they encroach on this land, they build, and then they say, try and get me off. And of course, if you try to get them off the land that's not theirs... They protest, they get violent, and the media comes and says, oh my God, oh my God, look what the Israelis are doing. They're distra-. Not just the media, the State Department. Do they really think, that, seriously, just seriously for one second, Mrs. Ms. Trudeau, do you really think the State Department, knowing Israel as you do, knowing how the High Court of Justice, the Bagats in Israel, is so careful... And, and the government won't peep without checking with them first? Do you think that they would allow to just destroy 700 structures out of the blue? Just like that? Come on. Seriously? Are you not being a little demagogic here? Yeah. It, it is, by the way, a bechiala derot. It is a terrible thing that is going to be very hard to undo. This building, this illegal building that has taken over acres and acres of of non-Arab land in Yehudan Shomron, and that is being funded by not by other Arabs, by the European Union. Believe it or not. All right, we'll let her have the last part of her statement here. As we've said many times before, this does raise real questions about Israel's long-term intentions in the West Bank. Yeah, it raises, uh, raises questions. Uh, I understand the questions. The questions are, can Israel make peace without having a partner in the West Bank, quote-unquote West Bank? Well, I think we know where the State Department uh, lies on this issue. And there you have it. Prime Minister of Israel, State Department, you've heard both sides. You've also heard my um, very biased and yet truthful, I believe, <laughs> analysis. Adon Hasilichot is uh, one of the most famous tunes that originated in the Sephardic world, but I think by now so many people have lived in Israel, if only for a year, 
and have heard this refrain, this melody sung by the Sephardic community to Adona Selichot that we all know it. This is David Daor with um, a really beautiful rendition of the classic Selichot of the Sephardic community. Um, who started Selichot uh, about a week ago on uh, Rosh Chodesh? Yeah, a week and a day. My name is Maya Weingarten. You're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
David Daor, Adon HaSilichot, in honor of our Sephardic brethren who are already into the Slichot season. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. We have a lively conversation taking place on the Nachum Siegel Network app. I thank all those who are listening, and I thank those who are sending in their comments on the app. Yehudis, as usual, hi. We had a nice uh, comment by Mommy Katzin. These are handles, obviously, usernames. Um, G. Wasser writes um, that about the Netanyahu uh, clip, and I, I had the same feeling. He points out that at the end, and I'll, I'll read this to you and you'll see what I mean, that at the end he, he has a sentence that echoes Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech, and he's saying it's a clear political parallel. I agree. He says here, I envision a Middle East, Netanyahu says, where young Arabs and young Jews learn together. I have a dream. (laughs) He didn't say that part. Work together, live together, side by side in peace. So many words, other than I have a dream, so many words come from that speech. You're absolutely right. I agree. I thought about that as well. And um, also thanks to, uh, I think it's pronounced Gedlev52. Thank you. I'm sorry. I don't know your names. I don't know if you want me to use your names, even if I would. Uh, very lively debate. We are not, absolutely just, positively not going to have enough time to speak um, about Rav Shari Yashuv Cohen, who passed away last week. He, um, we have a lot of material. He was an extraordinary person. And um, he was he was part of Jewish aristocracy. Seriously, that's the way I would um, I would view it. Um, his father was known as the Nazir in in religious Zionist world, especially in the world of Rav Cook. You, you just say the Nazir, you know who you're talking about. Uh, most people, uh, many people, I shouldn't say most people, many people don't even know what his name was. His name was. Rav David Cohen, and uh, he took upon himself as a way to elevate himself spiritually, he took upon himself the biblical Nizirut, where he did not drink wine, and, and this was his whole life. He did not drink wine. Um, I believe he did not wear regular shoes as well. I don't know why. He did not cut his hair. And as a Kohen, it didn't really make a difference, but he was not mitame lemet, which is the other thing that, that Nazirim uh, are careful about, but as a Kohen, he would have to be careful about that anyway. Um, and the Nazir, Rav Shari Yashuv Cohen's father, was one of the closest, most beloved Talmidim of Harav Avraham Yitzchak HaKohen Cook Zatzal, and uh, Shai Yashiv Cohen even expressed later on in life that Rav Cook was like a grandfather figure to him. They would go there together, his father and him, to visit Rav Cook. In fact, um, at Rav Cook's deathbed, they were there. And um, here's a little quote. We'll play this just to give you a, a taste of it. And we'll do the rest next week, God willing. All should be well. Um We'll do the rest in which we'll tell you stories about his life. We'll tell you his biography. 
he he fought in the wars. He was in Yeshivat Merkaz Awav. He was a soldier. He was captured by the Jordanians in '48. He was injured, and then he went on. He had he got a law degree. He went on to be the uh, um, a colonel in the I believe in the navy. And then ultimately became chief rabbi of Haifa, member of the rabbinical uh, chief rabbinate council, and um, a, a voice of moder- moderation, if you will, within the religious Zionist world. He was he was uh, an aristocratic figure, I would I would say. His wife, we're talking about the aristocracy, the Jewish aristocracy. His wife, Nomi Cohen. Was the grand is the granddaughter of the famous Harry Fischel. He was a key personality in the building of Judaism in the United States. Harry Fischel. Um, so this really is a family of aristocracy that uh, he was from. He passed away last week on Gimel Elul. Really amazing on the same date as Rav Cook. Rav Cook, Ravam Yitzchak Hakohen Cook, also passed away on Gimel Elul, and. Um, as did he. Um, here, I'll play you this little like uh, minute clip about how he says that Rav Cook felt already that he was dying. Rav Shariyashuv HaKoyin was there with his father, and Rav Cook, knowing that they were Kohanim, sort of motioned with his hands that they should get out of the room. And um, they stood outside for about half an hour until they heard Rav Yechiel Michal Tokachinsky, one of the great rabbis of Yerushalayim, yell out, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad, and they understood that Rav Kook passed away. And he says, and then, those who were there, instead of just crying out and so forth, started singing Shir Hashirim Asher Lushlomo and completed the entire Shir Hashirim. Here's this little quote. As he was in the hand, the Lord said to him, he said, he said, he אבא זצל עם מקל כאן, שם אני מרזיק אותי ביד, ופתאום אחרי בערך חצי שעה שיצא לו את החדר של הרב, אנחנו שומעים בקול גדול את הרב תוקשיסי צועק, שמע ישראל, השם אלוקינו, השם אחד. והרב אומרים שעוד מלמל בפיו, ונפטר. אבא הבין מה שקרה, גם אני הבנתי. הייתי כבר ילד גדול אז. אבל במקום לבכות, התחילו כולם לומר שיר השירים אשר נשלמו. אמרו את כל שיר השירים מתחילתו ועד סופו על יד התחילתו של הרב. So that's a little, uh, that's a teaser for next week. Next week we'll have more about Shari Yeshiva Kohen. Um, in 1967, uh, with uh, the liberation of Yerushalayim, at that time he was deputy mayor of Jerusalem. His brother-in-law, was Rav Goren. Rav Goren married his sister, the daughter of the Nazir, and um, this is, uh, again, we talk about the the elite of the religious Zionist world. Um, this is really a special uh, person from a special family, and we'll try and devote most of the show next week to his life and, and how it, it mirrored the, uh, the, the state of Israel's uh, history. Uh, we're going to end off with Ofra Chaza. She was in the news again recently about um, they released some of the um, documents about her death. But she uh, sings Kol HaOlam Kulo Gesher Tzamriot. This is a song written by Baruch Chait. And as we mentioned a few weeks ago, 
shockingly, it was used as the music, the background music for a Japanese gymnast's floor exercise in the Rio Olympics. And and we posted the, the we posted a link to that video on our Facebook page. Thanks to uh, Miriam Wallach, sent it over. I, I don't understand how they find these things. A Japanese gymnast is is doing his floor her floor exercise to to veha ikar veha ikar. It really blows your mind. And and I, I think I said it uh, on the show. And but I definitely said it to friends of mine. I said, well, you know, Baruch Chait should be getting some uh, royalties for this and and if I were him I I'd go after the royalties and he announced he was displeased that they used it uh but he announced that if royalties are due he's going after it so we'll end off this show with that beautiful song not before we say thank you thank you so much for listening thanks for all your facebook likes and comments thanks to the staff of the Nachum Siegel network and my very special thanks as always as always, to Nachum Siegel. Coming up on the Nachum Siegel Network, encore presentations of Eternal Flame with Rabbi Y.Y. Jacobson, followed by headlines with David Lichtenstein. I believe that this week he uh, he's in conversation with or, or discussing Harav Avigdor Nevensal, um, an amazing, amazing um, angelic person, Rabbi from Yerushalayim. You may want to stay tuned for that. And then after that, the great... Monday Music Marathon. Marathon. Until next Monday, immediately following JM and the AM, this is Mayor Weingarten reminding you that nice guys do not, no, no, they do not finish last. It's not true. They're just running in a different race. Shirts are me old,